Welcome to Norwegian Newcomers, the podcast where we hear about fragments from the lives of Norway's immigrant population. My guest today is Olga. Olga, welcome. Olga is a friend I met long time ago at the parties of mutual friends in Belgrade. But here in Oslo, actually, we start hanging out and getting to know each other better. At the beginning, for our listeners, Olga, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, my name is Olga and I'm from Belgrade, Serbia. So telling about my life in Belgrade now seems like it's been such a long time ago because it actually has been. <laughs> I moved to Norway 13 years ago, permanently, but I've been moving back and forth a few times before that as well. So maybe I could just start telling you about my relationship with Norway and how it started. Yes. Okay because I started studying Norwegian at the university in Belgrade uh, many, many years ago. <laughs> uh, and that was actually my first meeting with the Norwegian language, culture and everything about Norway and Scandinavia. So I didn't know much before and there was really not that many particular reasons why I started studying Norwegian. Otherwise, that I've been always interested in learning languages and and I'm kind of a linguist uh, down below <laughs> the the bottom of my soul is <laughs> uh, is about that so I started studying Norwegian actually because two of our mutual friends also decided that oh Scandinavian languages that sounds really interesting <laughs> so I was like mm, okay I really want to do something where I know somebody and that's how it started. So no particular reason whatsoever. And now I'm living here and Norway has kind of totally defined my life in many, many ways. We'll probably come to that. So then uh, on the second year or the third year of my studies, I came to Norway for the first time. I was in Lillehammer uh, for one year. As a student? Uh... As a student is something called Folkehøyskole. And that was a kind of a shocking experience uh, because it's it's not a normal studying environment, right? Because people move to some kind of to to a school where they live and and uh, take one year in many different subjects. But I did uh, something called uh, culture society, yeah, something like that, in one year. So I met a lot of people there, yes, and. But they were uh, in a very specific, that was for most of the people, like, first of all, most of people were Norwegians, naturally, and they were two or three years younger than me, trying to figure out whether they're going to university or whether they're going to do anything else with their lives. And a lot of them were kind of in limbo in a way. So it was, a, and, and we were con mostly confined to this place. So it was a strange meeting with, Norwegian people or whatever you can call it, young people. And, and I had no money and I couldn't really travel or move anywhere. And you I didn't... Trapped in, in a way, some. because I, I couldn't really do much more than be at the school. At the same time, I didn't speak Norwegian that well. I mean, it took me... That's where it kind of happened because I needed uh, all the... All the classes were in Norwegian and I was supposed to do everything in Norwegian, but I was having a headache for the first month, I think, because it was just too much. And suddenly it kind of opened. 
the the floodgates and I was able to speak as well so but that was like 20 years ago (laughs) so but that's my first meeting with Norway and then I also moved uh, once more after that we are moved back to Belgrade then I moved again to Kristiansand uh, where I took my master's degree and moved back again and then before coming here I was uh, I was working at Telenor Serbia I was kind of a young, aspiring uh, corporate chick, I guess. (laughs) Uh, At least I thought so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so that's kind of the place I I came from. I was having a rather okay life, working 12-hour days, having rather good salary, being young and feeling capable of almost everything. So it was a good time. So in a way you can say I didn't come because I was having a bad life. Yeah, so we can probably... But but what what was uh, when you you decided to move to Norway on the third time again? What was the the feelings and thoughts in that, that, that you made decision to move? First of all, for us outside the EEA uh, agreements and the EU, uh, which is a lot of the world, you need a basis to come. You cannot just come and be here. <laughs> I, I guess a lot of immigrants know what I'm talking about. So I actually needed to get uh, a work permit or a study permit to come here, right? And the, why would I come here? Because I met a man. Oh. <laughs> so that was the the case and then I started figuring out okay how can I come and I figure out okay I need to be a skilled worker to get a work permit so it's not any kind of job I cannot really come here to clean the streets I need to have an education that kind of makes me a skilled worker that then can get a work permit and my employer needs somehow to to back me up in a way saying that this is the person we need and we cannot really find anybody better uh, inside the yeah. um, inside Norway or whatever. So it's, it feels like... Uh, How imp- long the process? So I was I started applying for, for jobs, mostly any kind of job, because the, the most important thing was just to be here. Uh, and of course, I didn't get him. I, I, uh, I applied for... Um, I don't really remember what kind of ridiculous jobs that I, I now know I could never get. But I was just thinking, okay, let's try this. Until finally I realized, okay, what am I skilled at? And then I was thinking, okay, I have this master's degree and in Norwegian languages and literature. So I guess I should take a PhD. And that's what I did. <laughs> and that's what I got. <laughs> so, so at last I applied for a PhD position at the University of Oslo. And I got it. So that's kind of, that was the skill I could use. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still using. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still using it. But yeah, in, in a way, uh, it sounds weird, but that was the easiest way for me to come here <laughs> to, yeah. to take a PhD. Yes. So that's uh, that's in short how how it happened chronologically. So first was uh, Lillehammer, then Kristiansand, and finally Oslo. Yes. Can you compare those three places? Even the circumstances were quite different. Yes, my my life. Uh, I was 
a different person at each of these steps, right? And my life circumstances were different, as you said, because uh, the first time I had absolutely no money and uh, no network and, and basically nothing. Uh, so describe in one sentence your life. In- so so Lillehammer was, uh, I was thinking, okay, I moved from uh, almost two million people's city uh, with all this uh, cultural things and political things and uh, life on the streets and whatever to a town which has, I don't know, four traffic lights. It was like, <laughs> and, and, and this very, uh, very small group of people that I was confined to every day for almost a year. So it was really strange. But I actually learned a lot about myself. I learned Norwegian finally uh, in this uh, functional way. But again, I made some friends there that are still my friends. Uh, this very day so there are not many but a few of them it's like building this connection with people because you kind of need to because you're living with them literally uh, Christian Sand is is a city but still a s- much smaller than than Oslo and I could get everywhere on my bike without actually being in very good shape so it's <laughs> It's uh, it's manageable, and uh, there are a lot of other students there, and it's a community. So, and the library, and uh, interesting people, and teachers, and whatever. So it was that was a good learning experience, and and kind of a good place to be. I think I would probably be more alone and depressed if I were in Oslo at that point. And now, finally, I'm in the city. Yay! <laughs> because I'm really a city girl. So um, so being in a, in a city which is large enough to uh, give you everything you need and still small enough to kind of be manageable, building networks, meeting with people. So um, I think it was good for me to be at different places at different times. Yeah, I don't. Or, I don't know if you can say that Lillehammer is really bad and and Oslo is the best because it has all all of these have their pluses and minuses, right? Is there, yeah. So, um, but I, I think for me, it, it feels the most natural to live in the city because that's kind of where I come from. <laughs> Olga, tell me your first impressions when you moved to Oslo. Well, even though that was the first time I lived in Oslo, that was not my first time in Oslo. So I already knew a few people who lived here and I visited the the city a few times before, right? So it wasn't like totally new and uh, unexpected and whatever, but I moved into a new apartment that some friends helped me uh, rent that was kind of a big issue because it was almost impossible to rent an apartment from if if you were not here right and i needed a place to live at, at the moment i came so uh i really needed some friends to help me to kind of rent rent for me uh that was a, a strange thing to do but anyways but i was lucky then that i had a place to move into right away 
but the first first few weeks at least were very hectic because it's like okay I'm starting in a new job I'm figuring out who who the people there are what are the expectations what does it really mean to do a PhD here finding my way around with buying stuff for the apartment uh, it was cold it was January the very first day I was supposed to go or to be at the university there was so much snow that the tram stopped or whatever so it was kind of chaotic <laughs> and cold but it's not like it was not shocking it was just okay i was excited because i was starting this new life and that's basically how it looked in the beginning <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your work what are you doing <laughs> yeah so I, you know now that i started my phd and i finished it just in time to become a PhD before I got my child. So that was uh, that was a good thing because um, after that I realized that I probably won't be able to or I was not sure it's it's a was it so much about not being able or not wanting to or both I guess but I realized that the trying to do have a career in research as a researcher was probably not something for me, at least not for me with that kind of life situation as a single mother. So I didn't really know what to do, but I ended up being a research advisor, which actually means I'm really close to people who do research <laughs> and I help them and I support them and I uh, help them get projects, manage projects and do interesting stuff. It's just that I'm not doing research myself which I think in a way combines the things I've learned in my professional life. Like the managing part I get from, I got from my experience at Telenor and knowing about research and how it works and whatever I got from my PhD. So it's kind of a, an, a natural thing, I guess, even though I never knew that. I mean, if, I, if you asked me when I was 10 years, what are you going to be? I would never say, oh, I'm going to be a research advisor. You know? <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that, that's what I'm doing now. And I'm, and I'm happy that I do that because I think I'm good at it. And I meet a lot of interesting people. And uh, I'm part of interesting projects that are delivering interesting research. So it's kind of very vibrant environment that actually changes all the time. So it's something that I like. Now I'm curious, what are the topics of researching? Yes, I'm working at the Department of Culture Studies and Oriental Languages, which actually means uh, that my department covers uh, or employs researchers who do research on Asia, uh, Middle East and um, and North and uh, Africa north of Sahara. That's basically their research fields. And the culture studies are both global and more local, like na national uh, Norwegian cultural history, something like that. Olga, you mentioned uh, my life as a single mother. I know enough that I can say I really admire you and all single mothers everywhere. Can you tell me how how it looks like uh, being single mother in, in Norway? Well, first of all, I would like to say that I've 
I've been thinking about this a lot of times, right? And I know that uh, having the life that I have here as a single mother, I would never have in Serbia because everything about the logistics of that kind of life uh, being possible, that wouldn't work. Because <laughs> when you say single mother, I think everybody should know that I'm like... 200% single mother because people sometimes say I'm a single parent but actually they are divorced and they share responsibility and they have responsibility for kids uh, one week and the the spouse has the other week or uh, a lot of people have of course friends and family who support them and uh, I don't really have that all of my family I mean my mother and father and everybody else is in Serbia and I'm 100% alone with my child all the time. So uh, uh, getting enough money to do so, get, uh, having enough time to work and to uh, bring the child to the kindergarten, take it, bring her home uh, afterwards now, school, and, and it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work anywhere else because I either wouldn't have enough money or wouldn't have enough time. <laughs> to yeah. do to do Our this both. this way. Yeah. So in a way, I think it's very having my own apartment and figuring out all the economic uh, stuff around being being a single parent. I don't think that it would work. And it probably wouldn't work many other places either. So in that way, uh, I'm lucky that I'm here and that I can work normal working hours and still take care of my child in a way that I think is uh, okay because I really want to be with her as well. It's not like I, I guess uh, anywhere else I would probably be spending a lot more time at work and much less time with, with her in order to bring the food to the table, right? How old is your child? She's eight years old now. And her name is Lena. And her name is Lena, yes. And she's, uh, she's at school now. And... Um, so your child, she's born in Norway. Yes, she's but. born. She's born here. Her father is Norwegian. I mean, she's Norwegian. I mean, <laughs> for she's me, Norwegian. for me, it's like totally unthinkable that she could ever uh, move back and live in Serbia. Uh, mostly because I don't think she would function there. Uh, also because. She she doesn't speak Serbian in a way or cannot use it in any functional way that would make it possible for her to go to school there or to live there or whatever. So moving her to Serbia would probably be a very, very bad thing. And for, for all I'm concerned, she is Norwegian. She has a, a Norwegian passport on whatever. But I realized after a year or two after I had a child, that uh, because I'm her mother, statistically, she falls under this second generation immigrants, yeah. right? The, when, when the statistical, uh, when the t statistics are made about the population of Norway, she falls under that category. So she's, she is an immigrant, only a second generation because I'm her mother. And I was thinking that it's kind of strange because she doesn't really belong any other <laughs> place than here. But uh, 
and I, and I was thinking about how how it kind of makes this idea of on the one side this pure Norwegian part of the population prominent that there is this number of people who are like ethnically pure Norwegians and then you need the statistics for everybody else it was kind of strange to think about but I don't know I I, I understand that there is um a need to kind of get an overview statistically, but still I feel strange when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, the definition that your child even is born here and uh, living here, it's, that still will be considered as a second... Uh, generation generation I guess. Yeah, so you find that a little bit strange. Yes, because it kind of makes me think about wh- where... Where does she belong, I guess? Because I have no problem. Of course, I feel as an immigrant because I am and I have no problem taking on that kind of identity. I did move here. I come from another place. I have a different life path that, than people who were born and raised here. So I, I think I would have a problem saying that I'm a Norwegian, even if I get a Norwegian passport, right? Because it just doesn't sound right. It sounds like I'm um, I'm kind of erasing a big part of who I am and, and my life before being here and living here. Even though, I mean, I'm totally fluent in Norwegian and people don't even think that I came here. They think that I, I have this strange name, but I was born here. <laughs> so in that way, I kind of, I could blend in, but I don't know why I should do that. So... Uh, owning this immigrant identity is totally okay for me because I that's just who I am. But it kind of becomes strange when I think about my daughter because th- this duality or this uh, not Norwegian part is kind of fi- just a fiction in yeah. a way, yeah. right? Because we even speak Norwegian at our home. So she knows a bit of Serbian she listens to my parents, but she answers in Norwegian, right? Uh, when we're on Skype and having conversations. So it's like, there's really no duality there. Or so, so it's kind of, and then what it is, a whole or not good enough, or not, not entirely Norwegian, but actually you would never say, I mean, she would never function in Serbia. So it's not like she could just Kind of go. I could, right? I could she go back. She will be Norwegian in Serbia. Yeah. So yeah. So it's kind of strange figuring out uh, how to own totally your identity and who you are. And I'm not telling this because I think it's bad to be partly Serbian for her. But it's just it's strange. Also because she has my surname. So just saying, uh, looking at her name would <laughs> probably make people think that she's, I don't know, I, I, but I, I have been thinking about this and I'm just figuring out what's, what's a good way of owning the identity of somebody who is, because now when I'm talking in her, it, it, you could kind of hear it like, I'm, I want her to be Norwegian because this is important and I don't want her to be Serbian yeah, or considered Serbian, but it's more about feeling good uh, about yourself, however, whatever combination or whatever yeah. parts you have or don't have, that everything is a plus rather than 
not good enough should be like Norwegian plus, right? Mm. But that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of a yeah. way I would I would like everybody to be able to think, right? Do you have uh, uh, your plans for the future are to stay here or are you thinking of going back? Because of my daughter, I don't think it's possible to move back at least not in some years. Before I got her, I was considering that, of course. And in a way, the Serbia I left was much better than the Serbia I would meet now, which is a very depressing thing to say, but it is. So it's kind of, at least now, it doesn't look like a good place to move to. When I say that, there's it's not like I don't miss a lot of things there. I mean, I miss my family. I... I miss my city. I kind of have these dreams where I just walk the streets because you know the places and things happen there and you were there with some people and it's like a part this the the places which are a part of you that I miss. I mean, I just miss walking the streets, right? And of course I miss a lot of people that I really really love. So that feeling of history at a certain place was missing for a long time. Now, finally, because I've been here for 12 years, 13 years now, uh, I'm kind of starting to see that I've, I have built some history here as well. Like we've been places, I've done things and it starts to feel like this could also be a part of me, Oslo and living here, but I don't know. I um I don't see this in any near future. Maybe when I retire. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I, it's going to be a totally different place. But for now, I think this is the best place to be, both for me and, and for my daughter. What would you describe as uh, the, the most Norwegian thing that, that became part of you, as you mentioned? So I think this... Uh, if I say a culture of dialogue would probably be strange, but I, yeah. I think this understanding that when you talk to people, being polite is a huge thing. Being able to listen to people before you just... I mean, I don't know if you if you ever compared the debate, uh, political debates in Norwegian TV and in Serbian TV. It's and it's, it's uncomparable. But it also goes down to normal conversations and discussions. This ability to wait and try to actually listen. It's not like it works all the time, but that's the golden standard. Like you're supposed to wait for your turn. You're supposed to try to figure out what the other person is saying really. And also not thinking about attacking personal traits, but you are actually discussing a subject. You are an, an almost, it almost doesn't matter who is on the other side, who, who the person on the other side is. It's about what their ar- arguments are for the subject. And that, that is, is a very important thing. And it kind of makes a society work in a way that doesn't make it so 
go into this fight mode all the time. Intention, yeah. That's one of the things. And the other thing is, <laughs> I had some friends over uh, living with me in a few weeks. Uh, that's a few years ago. But anyways, they were like, okay, why are you using so soft and low voice when you talk to people? I mean, we cannot really hear you when you talk to other people on the street. And then I realized, okay, maybe I'm doing this because being loud and taking uh, taking a lot of space in a way, it's so usual. And here people, yeah. yeah, and here people are kind of both giving you space literally, I mean, physically, but also this kind of not being, not trying to, to yell, but it's not yelling. It's just using all of your lungs when you're speaking, and and here it's like strange, and they think you're uh, you're angry. So like being calm in a way that again, I guess it goes to this not promoting this kind of it's not aggress aggressive communication, but it's uh, sometimes it sometimes is. it is. Yeah. So so yeah. Mm. more balanced yes because because that's what expected and that's something that you can practice and you can master (laughs) so just this willingness to to actually practice this self-control and and i think it's for us it's practice because i really think that um it's also about how big the feelings you're feeling are. It's not the same for all the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, being able to master uh, this big feelings is a huge step to being able to communicate with other people in, a, in an okay manner. So, how, how do you feel when you're going home now? Yes, I'm. I'm going. Uh, I'm not now thinking that me going home is usually me going home to my parents, and really not being out in the society that much because it's not that easy. That's one of the things. It's not that easy having a child <laughs> with you in Serbia. Like everything from getting from one place to another, which takes time and it's unpredictable and. Uh, the the logistics yeah. of of it are like much more here i don't think about it but there i i really need to plan ahead then i mean all this people smoking everywhere it's like it's totally uh, it's just i cannot really do this and i don't want to be inside when it's so much smoke because i'm totally not used to it i know i did it when i was young i never smoked myself but it kind of never bothered me or or the things happening inside in the clubs or restaurants or whatever were more important than than thinking about the quality of uh, of the air I was <laughs> I was using so um so that one and so basically being so much in the house uh, with my parents it boils down to watching tv and that's why I told you this about the the culture it's not a culture it's just this feeling that there are no standards, that uh, people are totally confusing rudeness with sincerity, like being true to whatever you think or feel and, and being rude. It's not the same thing. I mean, you can you can discuss and you can be have uh, differing opinions and still having respect for the person you're discussing with. And that's 
kind of totally taken away. So it's it's very much about who people are and uh, what they are. Uh, people are criticizing all the time the person on the other side for who they are and they're really not discussing the topics, the issues, the things that need to be sold, right? I can be a total asshole, but I can still give you a good a, a good solution to a problem, yeah. right? And why why should you then go, go and tell me all the time that I'm an even even if I am, right? When I when Vanessa, actually Vanessa with a good solution, yeah, <laughs> please, it's possible, yeah. It definitely is possible, and and then you you kind of end up in the discussion by uh, all the people telling each other that they are assholes, but they haven't really discussed the the issue of uh, getting getting wheels on moving, getting people to work, getting social security network better or whatever. They, they you never kind of come to this type of subjects because it's just uh, throwing shit to each other it's like it's totally useless i mean that kind of discussions are totally useless you never come to any solution you're just insulting each other and it's i mean then it's insulting the people who watch that because you don't get anything you should probably you just get this normalizing of that kind of dialogue and it's not normal and it's not what we are trying to do it's not progress it's like going back and I don't know. I know Serbia is not the only place this is happening. It's no. many places, and and that makes me sad. So I really, really hope that that won't happen here. And I think a lot of people here think, no, it's, it could never happen here. But some tendencies are actually appearing, which I think is. You mean politically, or? Yeah, I mean you cannot. We cannot really compare with what's happening in the US, right? That the Trump is kind of, that was the key, <laughs> the key or, or an example of this being sincere. Like I'm telling, uh, I'm telling you the things they are and I'm showing you how I feel and I can call people what I want because this is, this is the truth, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to, I have an opinion and I can give you my opinion but I can do it in a way that shows respect for you. That's kind of totally disappearing. This thinking that respect, showing respect and being civilized is something false. No, it's a... A weak, weakness. A weakness or or, or lie. You're, not, you're lying. You're not being... Because you actually hate me, right? But you won't tell this. You're, you're making this. But it's not. It's, it's an effort. It's a kind of civilizational achievement we don't really want to go back because this is what makes us not not go into war when we don't agree or don't fight each other or whatever so it's it actually takes practice and it takes effort and i think should be valued instead of being labeled as false so that's kind of that really scares me but uh our norway is by no means there but i think that it, it can happen anywhere yeah, uh, if it's not existing now, it's not a guarantee that it won't show up once. Mm. But uh, did you ever experience anything uh, when it comes to your background and uh, that you are not Norwegians, did you have any problem or verbally or in any way? Well, I've, I guess I've been lucky in a way that 
uh, I work at the university, which is actually a very international uh, community. <laughs> so, so not being from Norway is more like a norm than than a strange thing, because a lot of people are not from Norway and working there. My daughter went to ki- kindergarten at the university, so also a lot of kids there were not Norwegians or are actually very mixed, like. Um, mother from Japan and father from uh, from Sweden and they're going to a Norwegian kindergarten and any any type of uh, imaginable combinations so in that way also for her and for me not being from Norway was kind of normal totally normal thing so no i, I i've never experienced anything anything bad or any or at least not that that i remember now uh sometimes i feel that it's more difficult to to discuss things especially things that are kind of really important and really big like discussing the school system right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is i mean everybody has an opinion about how the schools work what should be the some like political goals about learning and and making citizens of the future and what type of knowledge they need and they don't need and how this should work and mobbing and whatever so people of course everybody has their own opinions but coming from a side and kind of offering your own opinion could be a problem because and i don't think officially i think in discussing with with uh, other people other, other parents or whatever mm-hmm. because somebody say some of them might say it some of them you you kind of know that they're just thinking it based on the way they answer or discuss but it's like is it any better in serbia like that like that is a that is definitely not something that i'm telling you that okay i have this perfect solution for my country and you should by no ways so it's it's this strange thinking that if you are criticizing or maybe pointing out things that could be better i mean that you are actually telling them that you know or your system is better and it's never my argument because it would be totally ridiculous i mean no it's not but that's not why i can tell you this Uh, it's not the only uh, legitimate position like i don't need to come from a better system to be able to see things in a different way or at least offer my opinion like yeah, to be critical about the, the the things happening that we are living in yeah. i i totally agree also did you experience maybe opposite in in uh, belgrade in Ser- serbia now sometimes when when i'm giving some arguments uh, i could hear something like oh you became a norwegian so <laughs> it's not valid now for did you experience something similar uh no not personally but of course i i read the news and i read comments on on different news and i and i realize that people who are living abroad can meet this but you don't know how it is here or you don't really know what you're talking about and and that's kind of the same thing it's just like okay even though you are now living in a different system it doesn't mean that you cannot see things because you can actually see some things better it's like the fish and the water like when you're out that's the first time you realize that you were in it and you can see the water 
and that's the same for the people here and same for the people there so so people who kind of cross <laughs> cross these paths or waters or systems they are actually uh, in a better position to see things and, it, and it's not a and it's not a strange thing i mean when you change jobs the first few months you come you can actually see things that people who've been there for many years don't see anymore because it's just normalized. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically the same. You just, of course, not everything you say is possible to implement or there are good reasons why they shouldn't be implemented. But your your way of seeing is still valuable, I would say. So instead mm-hmm. of trying to justify whatever you have, people should be more open to hear what you're saying because sometimes maybe one out of 10 comments is actually something that you can, mm, yeah, that was... It could be improvement, <laughs> it yeah. Could be, could be a good idea to try that, yeah. And are you missing something from home? Yeah, I'm missing, um, of course, I'm missing the people I love. I miss my family, I miss my friends, especially those friends who've known me forever. So like having people around who've known you since you were almost a kid, right? Who kind of followed your life story for such a long time that you don't really need to explain that much. You just, they are just there knowing that you have such people in your life. It's it's something that you miss, or of course I do have contacts with people still <laughs> who know who yeah. have known me, but it's not the same. And so people around you who you meet most, they don't know your roots in a way. They don't really know where you come from, and I don't think the the country. I mean your your life history, your mm. life story. So it's kind of yeah. Uh, I miss that. And I miss the city because, you know, as I told you, all the places you used to go to, kind of yeah, the festivals you you do and and all the culture stuff, I guess. Uh, luckily, it exists here as well. It's just that it's a bit different in Belgrade than it is here naturally. So I think I, uh, I miss that more for the most but there are a lot of things that I don't miss <laughs> also so <laughs> it's, that I'm really glad I don't, I don't have to uh, do or feel or uh, yeah anymore so it's um, you're satisfied with your life here. yeah I think you uh, any, always, saying yeah. anything else would probably be and and it's also about what life you make for yourself so what I like here is that you actually have an opportunity to make a good life for yourself it's not like everything is served on a silver plate or whatever but it's the possibility of building it the way you need it to be or this feeling of possibilities is there which kind of i feel is basically gone for very very many people in serbia now this feeling that you actually your life is in your hands Mostly, I mean, it's never it never is hundred percent. But yeah, this but... knowing that if you take charge, if you take decisions, if you work, if you educate yourself, whatever, you can actually influence your life in such a way that you feel that you have certain control, which is kind of totally lacking in Serbia right now. That's why people are probably depressed. I guess it's kind of the same in the US or or many other countries in the world right now. This this feeling of 
being powerless and not being able to influence your life in any significant way. Olga, thank you very much. I I, I really enjoyed having this morning with you. <laughs> thank you for having me and thank you for letting me <laughs> talk so much and kind of explain things that I've been feeling and thinking about and, and living for the last, I wanted to say 13, but it's actually 20 years because I've moved back and forth so much. So it's been totally a big part of my adult life. Uh, so I would probably be able to talk about many, many more hours. But uh, but I think we kind of touched the essence of, of how it feels for me to have these two sides, two sources of who I am. Yeah, that's exactly the, what uh, we are trying to achieve with this podcast. And thank you. Thank you for your story. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Remember that you can support Norwegian newcomers on Patreon and please tell a friend about this podcast. <laughs>